0: Hey, what's going on everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you and we hope you enjoy the message today. Well, good morning South Valley. How you guys doing today? All right, I love to hear that. Can you guys help me thank the worship team for leading us this morning? That was such an an amazing morning of worship. And if you were with us last Sunday evening, man, last Sunday evening, our night of worship here was just incredible. I didn't know what to anticipate coming in the evening. And and I just wanna say the moment, from the moment we got here, from the very first song to the very end of, of the evening, God was just moving in very big and mighty ways. It's just so obvious and so encouraging and so exciting. Uh, Let's just give it up to, uh, to our team and to the Lord for the amazing things that he's been up to here at South Valley It's it's been awesome well, if you're new with us, you just heard from Monica. Thank you, Monica, for, for sharing. We have a connect card. If you're new, we'd love to connect with you. Thanks for joining us here at South Valley. My name is Ricky Hemi. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, we are currently in a, a series on the 10 commandments. We are on commandment number three, and we're walking each week through a commandment and how it applies today in our culture. The title of the series is Thou Shalt Love. Now, I know on the surface, this series sounds a little simple, maybe even a bit elementary, but I think we're going to discover, and we have discovered in previous weeks, that these 10 words are incredibly relevant. At one time, these verses were a foundational part of our society. They were a part of just basic uh, American morality. They were possibly the most well-known verses in all of Scripture. They even hung on school walls. Can you imagine that? That's kind of crazy to think about. At one time, these words were even on school walls. But now today, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who can actually recite all Ten Commandments. In fact, what we're going to do right now is we're going to walk around with a microphone and quiz the people. No, I wouldn't do that to you. Actually, I should do. No, I wouldn't do that to you. Do you know the Ten Commandments? If I asked you right now, what are the Ten Commandments? Could you recite them? At one point, everybody knew the Ten Commandments. Today, not many people know them or how they apply to our lives or what they even mean. Today is a great example of that. Today we're in commandment number three, which is taking God's name in vain. What does that even mean? Before we get there, though, as we've learned each week, these 10 words are special divine utterances from God himself, and they are all about one thing, and that's love. The 10 commandments can be broken down into into two sections. The first four are about our relationship with God, our love towards God. The remaining six are about our relationship with others, our love towards our neighbor, putting others above ourselves, loving our neighbor as ourselves. And so Jesus later on in the gospels, when he summarized the law, okay, the law is the first five books of the Bible. There are 613 laws in the Torah. He summarized all the law with two commands, love God and love People. That's the summary of the law. And so as we talk about these commands, I just want to remind you over and over again, we are not just talking about rules. We are talking about how to love. Can I get an amen? Amen. We want to be a people who love, who love God, who love others. We want to be known in our community, in the world for our love. When God set us apart, when God saved us, he he transformed us through his love and he calls us to be a people of love. So let's keep that in mind as we walk through this series. I'm going to pray, and we're going to jump into today's message. Will you pray with me? Father God, I want to just say thank you for this amazing church. I I absolutely love being here on Sundays. Every Sunday, sitting here in worship, shaking hands with these people, seeing these smiling faces, hearing the stories of your breakthrough in lives. God, this is an amazing place to serve. This is an amazing place to worship, and I just praise you for it. As we said in this song earlier, your name, Jesus, makes the darkness tremble. In your name, Jesus, chains are broken. Hearts are freed. We are forgiven. We are redeemed. Demons shudder at the name of Jesus. And so as we talk about glorifying your name, I pray that we would be a people who revere the name of Jesus, knowing that you are power, you are life, you are light, and we need more and more of your name in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said. Today's commandment concerns our treatment of God's name. But before we get there, let me ask you this question. What's in a name? Why are names so important to us? Well, names are important to us because they are part of our identity. Names, your name, carries a deep personal, cultural, familial, and historical connection. Our names, they give us a sense of who we are and the communities in which we belong and our place in this world. And that's why Misusing somebody's name or slandering somebody's name or even mispronouncing somebody's name can be a bit hurtful. And with that in mind, let me ask you this question. How does Starbucks write your name? Is it, just, is it just me or does Starbucks just have a str- problem with writing names, okay? How does Starbucks write your name? Like I, I, I came across, this is, this is what it looks like at Starbucks. That's why I go to Dutch Brothers, by the way. They, they get your name right at Dutch Brothers. How does Starbucks write your name? Names are important to us. Or how about this? How did the substitute teacher at your high school pronounce your name when he was taking attendance in class? Did that go over well for you? For me, I was always Richard Him, Richard Him. Uh, I hated being called Richard Him. Uh, maybe you were uh, Balake or Aaron or Jaqueline or I don't know, what. I don't know what your name was pronounced as, but but when somebody missed pronounces your name, it can be offensive and you, it, it kind makes of you, makes you cringe a little bit, right? That's what Starbucks does to me quite often. How does Starbucks write your name? Well, how do you feel about your name? What I want you to see, God cares about his name just as we are concerned about how others use our name, treat our name, speak of our name. So God cares about how we treat his name. Well, God first revealed his name to Moses in the book of Exodus. During the Ten Commandments, we're studying Exodus chapter 20. But if you go back to Exodus chapter 3, that is the spot where God first reveals his name to mankind. Prior to the Ten Commandments, God's people were slaves. And when they called out to God for help, God sent forth a very unlikely deliverer by the name of Moses. This guy Moses, he was a fugitive who was already in his 80s and he had been hiding from Pharaoh's wrath for about 40 years. Okay, this was a very unlikely deliverer. If you know anything about Moses, you know he was a Jewish boy who grew up in Pharaoh's household. He spent 40 years under Pharaoh's household being trained in the wisdom of the Egyptians. Then he, he killed uh, an Egyptian that was hurting a Hebrew and he had to go to Midian where he fled and he was a fugitive for another 40 years and then God called him out of Midian in the wilderness to go back to Egypt to deliver God's people and to bring them to the promised land which was another 40 years of his life. But prior to his special calling from God Moses was a nobody. He was a nobody. Moses' story is a great reminder of the fact that God loves to use the weak to confound the strong. When people with, with no name do big things in God's name, guess who gets the glory? God gets the glory. God delights in using the humble. God delights in using the overlooked. God delights in using people with no name to do big things in his name. God has a history of taking the weak, of taking the struggling, of taking the overlooked, and doing mighty things through them to his glory. And that should be an encouragement to us because God wants to use us to do big things in his name. Can I get an amen? We are marked by the name of God. He delights in using the humble. In this case, he used a humble shepherd to overthrow a powerful Pharaoh. Well, Moses' calling, it began at a burning bush. He was in the wilderness with a sheep, He was doing his thing when he saw a bush ablaze in the distance, but the bush was not burning. And so he approached the bush, and and the Lord called out to Moses from the bush. And he said to him, This is paraphrasing Moses, I have a very special job for you. I want you to go to the most powerful man in the world, Pharaoh of the Egyptians. A man that everybody just reveres as a God. He has the greatest economy. He has the most wealth. He has the most power. It's one of the greatest civilizations in the history of mankind. And you are just, you know, a humble little, you know, shepherd in the wilderness. But guess what? I'm going to send you to this man and I want you to tell him that I demand that he lets millions of slaves go so that they would go out and worship me. Well, upon receiving this call, Moses asked a great question. He says, if I come to the people of Israel and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What am I going to say to them? Who am I going to say sent me to do this crazy thing of setting millions of slaves free? Who am I going to say sent me? What, who, what is the name of the person sending me? Do I go to the people? Do I go to Pharaoh and just say, Hey, the bush sent me to you. Uh, And he, he, you know, the bush is really fired up right now. And, He really wants the people to be set free. I don't feel like Pharaoh is going to understand that. I don't feel like people are going to get that. I don't feel like the Israelites are going to respect that. Under whose power and by whose authority am I going to do these great deeds? And here is where God revealed his name. He says this, God said to Moses, I am who I am. That means he's eternal. He's self-sufficient. He's self-sufficient sustaining. Everything depends on him. There is no beginning with God. There is no end with God. He is uncreated. He says, I am who I am. This is where we get the word Yahweh, God's proper name. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am Yahweh has sent me to you. God is, also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. God, in this passage, revealed his name. Tell them Yahweh has sent you. Well, months later, Yahweh did what Yahweh said he would do. He freed his people, millions of them from slavery through signs and wonders and plagues and the parting of the Red Sea. And he led them to a mountain called Sinai where he gave them the Ten Commandments. And one of the Ten Commandments, number three of the Ten Commandments, was to take... God's name seriously. This is what it says. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. My name Yahweh, my name, do not take it in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. God put one of the 10 commandments concerned his name. And what this means for us today, is very simple, very easy application. God takes his name seriously and so should we. That's the application. God takes his name seriously, and so should we. It's, a, it's clear from a study of the Old Testament that the use of God's name played an important role in Israel's faith. Okay, God's people were instructed to call on the name of God to bless the name of God to praise the name of God to trust the name of God to find refuge in the name of God even to prophesy in the name of God yet on the other hand the misuse of his name was also a very serious offense it was forbidden to profane the name of God to blaspheme the name of God to curse his name to defile his name abuse his name or swear falsely upon his name and this command it was taken so seriously that Jews didn't even use the name of God. They would simply call him the name or they would call him the Lord, which is Adonai in Hebrew. They would say Adonai. If you've ever been to a synagogue and they read a passage that says Yahweh in the Old Testament, they say Adonai because they are concerned about the name of God. Now, although this commandment doesn't prohibit us using God's name, I do wanna share with you Warn you of three common ways we abuse his name today. The first is this beware of perjury. I know that the word perjury is a strong word. Perjury is the cr- crime of lying under oath, but I chose this word because it's much heavier than simply making a false promise. You see, we, we risk perjury when we use God's name to persuade others that we are dependable. The, the common way that we do this is by saying, I swear to God that dot, 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 dot. Now, I want you to know today, it's, okay, it's not wrong to swear to God. It's not wrong to make an oath in God's name. But what I want you to know is that if you are going to swear upon the greatest name, the name above all names, if you are going to promise, if you are going to oath, if you are going to vow upon his name, you better be ready to follow through with your promise. That's why Jesus says this. He says, Again, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. If you say it, you better mean it. See, in his day, people were swearing in God's name in order to persuade others, manipulate others, convince others of their lies. And sometimes people do that today. They're lying. And so they swear upon something greater than themselves to convince others that they're telling the truth. And you know what God says? I will not hold those guiltless who treat my name in vain. He's jealous for his name. So Jesus warns, I say to you, don't take an oath at all. If, you're not, if you can't follow through with your word, don't make a promise at all either by heaven, for it's the throne of God, or by the earth, for it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king, and don't take an oath by your head. Okay, they stopped swearing on God, and they started swearing on everything that God was around. Like, we swear on God's throne, we swear on the heavens, we swear on the earth, and, and, and they, would, they would make these promises. Instead of using Yahweh, they would swear on things surrounding Yahweh, and, and, and Jesus saying, hey, don't take an oath by your head. You can't even make your hair white or black, right? When Some of us have been trying to do that. Uh, you can't. You can't even do that. What you say be let. What you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. This is a warning about swearing in God's name. Making a promise in God's name is not something that's prohibited, but it should never be taken lightly. What Jesus is forbidding here is the flippant. Profane and careless use of oaths in our everyday speech in that culture, these oaths were often deceptive. They were used to manipulate people. And if you're invoking the name of God, or if you got to swear upon a stack of Bibles, I don't know why we say that. Like the bigger the stack of Bibles, the more truthful my words actually are. If you got to swear upon those things, you better mean what you say, because God will not hold us guiltly, guilt uh, guiltless. Be aware of perjury. And so the big idea I want you to know today is this. Your word should mean something. Can I get an amen? amen? Your word should mean something. Especially if you're a Christian. Especially if you carry the name of Jesus. Your word should be your bond. Your word should be truth. You should be a person who is reliable when it comes to what you say, a trustworthy person. If you belong to Jesus, your word should mean something. Now, does that mean you're always going to tell the truth all the time and never mess up? No, you're going to mess up. You're going to tell lies here and there. And, And when you do, guess what you should do? You should confess. You should own up. And Here's the amazing thing. There's amazing grace for liars. There's amazing grace for liars. But if we continue to make a habit of lying and to deny our lying and to manipulate others through our lying, then we are taking advantage of God's grace and we don't get the point. There are people who have habitual problems with lying. You know some of those people. You've seen their Facebook profile and you're like, that is not, nothing on this profile is true. Like, I, I've been, I've known you my whole life. None of that's true. You don't look like that. That's like 27 filters on your face right there. <laughs> I, okay, we are a culture who lies. We, we lie all the time. We, we, we tell lots of lies. We need to be known as a people who tell the truth. Even when the truth is hard, even when the truth might get, you might, you know, people might push back against you or get mad at you, or even when you mess up. Don't you hate when your kids lie to you? <laughs> Tell the truth. Yeah, you guys are laughing like, man, yeah, it happens too much. Like, they don't like straight out lie, right? They like kind of like couch it in something that kind of sounds like half truth. Um, you know where they get it from? Us. Does your word mean something? James says, let your yes be yes and your no be no so that you may not fall under, the condem- under condemnation. Does your word mean something? Beware of false promises na- made in the name of God. Number two, beware of irreverent God talk. This is one that I've kind of been processing this week, just irreverent God talk. So, so let's talk a lot about Jesus. Let's talk a lot about God. Let's make sure that we we, you know, we, we wanna proclaim him. I'm, t- I'm not telling you to avoid his name. I'm not telling you to do that, But, but beware how you treat his name and how you use his name. Don't just sprinkle God talk on things when you don't mean it. And try not to be irreverent when you reference him, because we're talking about a name that has power to expel darkness. We're talking about a name that has power to set people free. So Chris was just talking a little bit ago about uh, dead things come to life at the name of Jesus. That's, that is the power we talk about. So, so be careful not to be irreverent and to just sprinkle God talk uh, on things and not actually mean what you are saying. Beware of irreverent God talk. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he gave them the following instructions. He said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your what? Your name. Hallowed is the Greek word hagiato, And it means to, to honor as holy. Jesus' concern was that God's name would be set apart as holy and treated with the highest honor. Hallowed be your name is it's a plea, a passionate plea for the glory of God and the exaltation of his name in all things. God, glorify your name in my life. Glorify your name in my children and in my choices and in the way I conduct myself at work and the way I love my spouse and the way that I give and the way that I serve and the way that I speak and the way that I think. Glorify your name in my church. Glorify your name in my community. Glorify your name in my life in everything I say and do. This, is, uh, this petition reflects a deep longing to see God's name honored in everything. Hallowed be your name. And so here's a question for you. When people interact with you, do they leave knowing that God's name is your greatest concern? Do they sense your respect, your reverence, your love for the Lord? Do they know that Jesus is your king, that Jesus is your number one, that you believe that he is actually capable of doing everything he says he is capable of doing? Do they sense your reverence or do you speak of God irreverently or, or maybe flippantly? We need to remember that his name is the most powerful name on earth. Proverbs 18 20 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and finds safety. Psalm 145 says, I'll extol you, my God and my King. I will bless your name forever and every, every day. I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. At his name, demons shudder. At his name, darkness flees. At his name, chains break and light and life burst forth. At the mighty name of Jesus Christ. So let's use his name well. Let's not just sprinkle God talk among godless things. Let's not use God talk to get our way or justify our actions. Let's not manipulate people through God talk. I see this on Instagram all the time. One way that I see this on Instagram is through this phrase. And I'm not saying that this is not allowed to be said, but you better be careful when you use it. Jesus told me dot, dot, dot. God told me dot dot dot. Did he? Make sure when you say that that th- that's the truth. Because here's the thing: people manipulate through this phrase. I I heard a story just this week of a guy propose to a girl and say, "Hey, you need to marry me because God told me you need to marry me." That didn't work. Okay, don't pull. I'm just letting warning you guys that doesn't work. That girl's like, uh, God told me something else." And see ya. There are times that people use that phrase. I'm not saying don't ever use it, but I'm just letting you know people manipulate through it. I see it on Instagram all the time where people who 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 they'll come on Instagram and they'll, they'll you know set themselves up as some kind of spiritual leader or some kind of spiritual authority on something. They'll say, God told me this, or God says this. and And I hear, I'm like, oh my gosh, everything that God told you is exactly contrary to what God told me in the Bible. And so if we're gonna look at what God says, I don't wanna hear it from you. I wanna hear it from the scriptures themselves. Make sure every time you hear God told me that you line it up with the scriptures and can confirm that it is in fact something that God can say because He's never going to tell you something that contradicts with His word. Can I get an amen? So keep this in mind when you hear Jesus told me dot dot dot. Everything you hear about God needs to be measured about what He says about Himself. And finally, number three, beware of committing evil in God's name. I find this one to be interesting because according to some interpreters, this is actually the primary application of commandment number three. I wasn't gonna say this, but you know in the history books that there have been times in history, and I'm not talking about just Christians, I'm talking about religion in, in general, where religious parties have done atrocious things in the name of a God, right? I actually was just reading about this this week. This isn't in my notes, but I'll just say it anyways. Uh, I, uh, after 9 11, atheism skyrocketed because people saw what was happening with radical Islam and in the name of Allah killing thousands and thousands of people. And so people were saying, well, if that's what religion is, I want nothing to do with religion. And so atheism actually skyrocketed. I Allah is obviously not Yahweh, okay? We we worship Yahweh, the one true God, but what I want you to know is that You need to be careful to represent and carry his name well. There have been times in history where people have taken religion or have taken the name of God and used it to accomplish atrocious things. And they've done evil in his name in order to manipulate or control others. And and obviously, God will not hold those people guiltless. Okay, God is jealous for his name. He wants purity when it comes to how people use his name. His command is, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. I I was looking at this in Hebrew, and I realized in Hebrew, um, the word take is this this word nasa. Nasa means to carry or to lift up or to raise. And the the word uh, in vain uh, is this Hebrew word shav. And shav means uh, worthless or futile or inconsequential. And so uh, this verse could also be translated, you shall not carry the name of the Lord your God in a worthless manner. And so what this means is as Christians, we carry God's name everywhere we go. The way we live reflects his name. The way we love reflects his name. The way we serve, the way we give, the way we work, the way we do our lives and conduct ourselves reflects his name. Honoring Jesus's name is more than just avoiding foul language. It is a lifestyle. Think of it as, you know, with your own kids. Everywhere your kids go, they carry your name. When John is performing or competing at jujitsu, he carries my name. When my daughter's at her, her dance studio, she reflects my name. I remember growing up, the Hemi name, my last name in my hometown, well, it was a very respected name because my dad and my grandpa they did great things. They were great guys. They are great guys. They loved the community. They served. They gave. They were generous. They were just they were just known as really good guys, kind of you know foundational guys in our community. They had a an amazing name. And then I was growing up and I was lost and I wasn't following the ways of my family. And I was doing some really dumb things and I was tarnishing my family name. There was a time in my life where I realized like, oh my goodness, my bad decisions and my stupid mistakes and my sins aren't just hurting me anymore. Now they are hurting everybody who carries my name. Similarly, you carry the name of Jesus. South Valley carries the name of Jesus. People learn about Jesus by how we carry his name in this place. People learn about Jesus by how we carry his name out in our community, and he is jealous for his name. Just as a reputation of a sports team depends on the behavior of its players, and the reputation of a company depends on its employees or executives, so the reputation of Jesus's church depends on the lives of his followers. We have the privilege and the honor and the joy and the high and holy calling of carrying with us everywhere we go the name of Jesus Christ, the name above all names. Carry his name well. And when you see his name profaned, like some of those historical moments that I mentioned, there have been other times in history where Christians, in quotations, I don't think they were really Christians, but they profaned the name of Jesus. Be jealous for his name, just as he is jealous for his name. That's why committing evil in God's name is possibly the greatest sin of all. Because it's God's character on the line, it's God's identity on the line. Have you guys ever wondered why Jesus was hard on the Pharisees? These are the religious leaders, these are the guys who knew the Bible better than anybody else. He was hard on the Pharisees, but he was gracious towards prostitutes and sinners. Did you ever wonder why Jesus made a whip? Okay, how mad do you need to be to make a whip before you use it? He made a whip, fashioned it together on his own and went to the temple, the place where God's name was supposed to be worshiped and exalted. But he knew there were people at the temple who were doing things to abuse and control and and, uh, take advantage of others. And he saw what they were doing in the name of God. And so Jesus made a whip Hey, we're talking about nice Jesus, right? Like we don't talk about Jesus pulling out the whip Jesus. We don't talk about him very much, but he's in there. He made a whip. He flipped the tables and he went to town in the temple. You know why he was so angry? He had a righteous anger because people were profaning his name. He will flip the tables of the money changers, but you know what else he'll do? He'll go and sit around a table with tax collectors and prostitutes and sinners and everybody else that looks, you know, that's looked down upon in culture, that's rejected in culture, that no one seems to love or care about or listen to or have a heart for. Jesus goes to those people and he's gentle and he calls them to follow the name of God, to follow after him. And then he comes hard after the religious people who profane and and and. Drag his name through the mud. I want to encourage you to be a people who are jealous for the name of Jesus, just as Jesus was jealous for his own name. Bring his name to the lost and hurting. And when you mess up and you misrepresent him, come before him and ask in his name for grace and forgiveness to live better, to live righteously, to reflect him more in your world. You are not gonna perfectly live for his name every single day because you and I, we are humans. We just mess up. That's just part of what we do. But Jesus's name is so powerful that when we call on him, we have strength to grow and to mature and to become something that we would never be on our own because his name is powerful and his name is life. So three ways to apply today's message. Number one, believe in his name. There is no other name under heaven by which man can be saved. No other name. There is one name for salvation. His name is Jesus Christ and it is Jesus Christ alone you want to know why his name is so powerful? Look at this. Look what, what, what Paul says about Jesus' name. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, he is eternal. He is the great I am. Okay? So if you go back to, to John chapter eight, uh, Jesus said, I am. He, he talked we, in that series we just did about the I ams. He's saying, you know, Yahweh from the, the eternal God, I am him. I am God. If have this mind among yourselves, who was he was in the form of God, he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. That's like you and I. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God, the Father, has highly exalted him, Jesus and bestowed on him, Jesus, the name that is above every other name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus's name is the name above all names. You can believe in his name now. You can bow your knee in respect and worship in adoration to his name now, or you could be forced to bow in respect and adoration to his name later. But either way, all of creation Every human being who has ever lived and will ever live will one day bow to the name of Jesus and declare his name as the name above all names. And Jesus today is inviting you for the first time for some of you to call out upon his name and to say, yes, Jesus, I believe. I need more of you in my life. Come, I believe in your name. Number two, praise his name. What I love about South Valley is that you are a worshiping church. You are a praising church. You are a joyful church. You are a church who knows how to praise even when it's hard. You are a church who praised through a season of darkness. You guys know the, some of the story and history of our church of the past few years. And, and you know what's so cool? You guys continue to pray. You guys continue to praise. You guys continue to hope. You guys continue to believe. And look at where we are now. Look at who we're becoming now as God is moving and working in our midst. And it's because of the praise of of his people and the trust of his people. Praise his holy name. Don't stop doing it. Even when it's hard, praise his holy name. He's worthy and there's, you're never more alive and never more at joy and at peace in your soul and in your life than when you praise his holy name. And finally, number three, live in obedience to his name. Jesus says, if you love me, going to keep my commandments. That's what we do when we carry his name out in the world. We, we obey him. We walk in trust and faith. We, we follow him even when it's hard. We, we trust him with the things that we struggle with. And, and we say, you know what? I know I have this sin problem or this lying problem or this, you know, swearing in God's name problem or whatever. And I'm going to leave these things behind. I'm going to leave these addictions behind. I'm going to leave these, these things that are destroying me, these areas of rebellion, where I want, I'm doing things my own way. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna do things God's way. I'm going to obey him and I'm gonna proclaim him and I'm gonna praise him and I'm gonna believe in him and I'm gonna carry his name with me and I'm not gonna do it perfectly all the time. Praise God for grace because we need a lot of grace and a lot of mercy and a lot of forgiveness, okay? This is a place of grace, but at the same time, we want to aspire to be everything God created us to be because we know that there is power in his mighty name. Praise his name, bless his name. Obey his name. Will you pray with me? Father God, what an amazing morning to reflect on your name. Sometimes we forget the power of your name. Just speaking Jesus over a life can change a life. Praying Jesus over a hurting soul can comfort. In scripture, Praying Jesus over a demon-possessed person would free them. In Scripture, praying Jesus for healing would heal them. In Scripture, praying Jesus over the lost would result in them being found. Praising Jesus in the midst of pain would the result in, the, in joy. Praising Jesus, worshiping Jesus. The name above all names, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus Christ and we go out into the world to reflect and, and and proclaim his holy name to a world that needs grace, a world need, that needs hope, a world that needs love and I just pray God that we would be a church who carries his name well. Give us a passion for his holy name and in the areas where we've messed up teach us to ask for forgiveness to leave our flesh behind and to trust you as we step into everything you have for us. We love you and we praise you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said,